Welcome to the NFT Now podcast, your go-to source to succeed in the fast-moving world of Web3. I'm Matt Medved. Each week, we interview visionary creators, builders, and collectors, so you can stay up to date on the most important trends and tactics for the internet's next frontier. GM, GM, everyone, welcome to the Gateway Korea. Who's enjoying the art? Raise your hand if you're enjoying the art out there. Okay, I love it. I love it. We love to see it. Uh, I'm Matt Medved, co-founder, CEO, and editor-in-chief of NFT Now. We're so happy to have you here, and we are joined by an incredibly special guest, Michael, Mike Winkleman, Beeple. Give it up for Beeple, everyone. Thank you, thank you. Man, so welcome back to Korea. Yeah, it has been a while. For those that don't know, this is technically the second time that I've been to Korea. I was here in 2011 or 12. I'm not sure which one it was. I think it was 2011 because, and I was only here for 30 hours. Um, and I was here because I did concert visuals for Big Bang. Um, and we went to the concert at the stadium there and then kind of got a very, very quick tour of, of Seoul here. Um, but it's, it's awesome to be back and have a proper visit and really get to kind of see and know the city here. It's amazing, man. What is, what has your experience been like so far being back in Korea? Uh, it's just, it's, amazing how much uh just art there is and how sort of like digitally focused everything is and um just people seem very eager to learn and very eager to sort of share in this conversation and really kind of um champion this new medium so i think just asia in general i think is is much more digitally native than sort of at least the United States. And so I think uh, this is an area that's really going to embrace NFTs and sort of like virtual ownership. So it's super exciting to see. And, and, you know, thank you so much for putting on this event and, and things like this to bring the community together, especially I think that's so important right now as shit is full on, on fucking <laughs> full on goddamn dumpster fire. That is the NFT market. Um, it's a, it's really important. I think to, actually sort of come together as a community um, because I, th I think that word gets thrown around a lot and most of the time it's used it's complete fucking bullshit <laughs> um, and I think now you're going to see where the real communities are and the real people who care about this stuff um, you know so it's cool to see Absolutely, man. Well, we're happy to have you. We uh, are honored, actually, that you've actually been at every single gateway. You're, you're batting three oh, there for three. there it is. There yeah. it is. That's <laughs> true. I am a gateway champ. Do I? I feel like I need one of those punch cards. I you really get a do. punch Loyalty card. Program. I get a free, Loyalty program. Free pizza. A free pizza pie. <laughs> but yeah, you you joined us um, as an attendee at Christ uh, when we when we rolled it out with Christie's Miami Art Basel 2021. Uh, you showcased your every days uh, with us at uh, at the gateway. Of Web3 Metropolis in Miami 2022. And this year, you know, we're, we're so happy to have you as well as a physical piece, which I know is, is really rare for you. I think it may only be, is it your third exhibition of a, of a physical piece ever? Yeah, that's true. Really, it is. I really only had a few sort of exhibitions of these pieces just because, I mean, to be quite honest, we don't have that many of them. Um, and so I, I think it is really cool to see 
that. And I think you're going to see more of that in the future um, where people are, are trying to combine physical and digital artwork in sort of like a meaningful way where both of, both of them feel necessary for the piece. Um, and I think, it, you know, those are the kind of things that have an emotional impact on people and it oftentimes is kind of clicks for them in terms of this just being a medium and not having anything to do with crypto or, you know, any sort of other sort of thing that maybe is a barrier for them to sort of enjoying and getting the actual message behind the piece. Um, so yeah, it's super exciting to have a, a physical work here. Absolutely. Um, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about the, about the piece and, and also, um, you know, being a digital artist, being able to take your art, off the screen, right? And being able to bring it into the real world. I know that's something that you're you're doing in many ways. We'll dive into people's studios and all that too afterwards. But tell us a little, a little bit about the piece and, and also kind of like the vision behind, uh, you know, kind of crossing digital and physical like that. Yeah. So the piece is, um, for those who haven't seen it, it's sort of these two kind of rotating boxes. So there's eight screens total. And the video on it is all of the everydays from 2022. Um, and I think what I was trying to do there is sort of have one object that encapsulated this entire year of work and was something that you could look at for a very long time and still see new things. Um, and I think those are the, the ways that if we can find more ways like that for people to actually enjoy this digital artwork in their home in a more sort of like passive way, because that's the thing that I think is missing from a lot of digital art um, sort of experiences. You kind of only experience them when you decide to pull them up on your phone or pull them up on your computer screen. And most sort of traditional art is not like that. If you have a painting in your house or something, you don't like choose to look at it or not look at it. Like it's just there. It's affecting you. You're passively sort of being influenced by this artwork and, and able to sort of like enjoy it um, and live with it. And I think, um, you know, the more opportunities, the more way we can provide for people to do that in their own homes, I think it will just build a stronger emotional connection to this stuff. Absolutely. I was at um, the opening for People Studios uh, in, in South Carolina, and I was struck by just the way you kind of bridge digital and physical. You had the, the sculptures, you had some of your early work uh, to, on display, and you also did a live performance of the everyday, which I found really fascinating. I've never seen digital art performed and created in real time like that. Can you walk us through, you know, the vision there? Yeah, I think so. We've got kind of like a experiential space in the, the studio and, and we've got a computer set up and I was making my everyday for that day um, live over the course of an hour. And I also had sort of this button that I was pressing that captured my screen and sent it to these printers. And it was a whole big thing with it was prints. Like the, it was like what three hunger games. People it got a little it got a little a little wacky there for a second. Um, but I think to me, the, the sort of point of that was to show that these tools have gotten to a place where you can create a complete artwork or in that case 50 complete artworks in one hour um, and that is actually quite new because there's been a lot of talk about like generative art but generative art is actually like the oldest 
form of digital art because 50 years ago, 60 years ago, there was no Photoshop. There was no After Effects. There wasn't Cinema 4D. There wasn't Blender. There wasn't 3D Studio Max, Maya, blah, 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 Photoshop, all of this stuff. And so if you wanted to make art, you had to write a program. And so now there are all those tools. And so instead of writing a program, you can use these tools to make art much more quickly and in a much like just completely different sort of like workflow that in my opinion is something that I think a lot of people can connect with a little easier because you can visually see what I'm doing. You can see me pull in a 3D object and turn it around. Oh, that's an Elon Musk head. And like, it just, it's much more like, uh, the feedback is completely visual and you can immediately see how the piece is changing and evolving versus with a program. It's much harder to sort of like, okay, I went in and changed this from a five to a three. And now it looks like this. It's like, it's a little harder for people to kind of like connect with, I think. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that in the future. People performing digital art and then something coming from it. Like I, I eventually see this being something where, you know, people are going to shows and, and there's a performance. And then at the end of the performance, people mint the artwork that was created during that performance. Um, and I think that will be, uh, just a much more sort of like commonplace thing kind of further in the future. Do we have a, a Beeple concert tour uh, on the horizon? That's what, that's what it is. We got to get the frigging band out and frigging get that going. Madison Square Garden. There it is. <laughs> Woo! Watch out Taylor Swift, right? <laughs> I, I love it though. I love it though. I know when we were chatting for our podcast too, I mentioned, you know, obviously I before NFT now and, and Web3, I came from the dance music world. And um, one one thing I think was always interesting about dance music, electronic music, is that the way in which it's created is not always indicative by the way it's performed, right? And it's a lot of just kind of going like this and sort of standing there. I mean, we're being <laughs> But there are parallels with digital art, right? Where it's like people see the end product, but they don't necessarily what goes in know what goes into it. And this is an yep. opportunity to like open the veil. A hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's, to me, it's, it's a, it's a workflow that I think feels more kind of like Bob Ross ish in a way that it's sort of like, you can see the piece sort of like evolving and what's exciting with digital art and the tools that I use, you know, sort of mostly cinema 4d is that the piece can change very rapidly, you know, just for, with like a few clicks in terms of the lighting or the composition or, or sort of how things are, are positioned. And so I think, um, you know, you will continue to see people building out more sort of interactive experiences around this stuff. Uh, you know, and even with generative art too, that, you know, some of the bright moment stuff and ways that people are trying to really make this a more interactive, more engaging, more sort of like visceral uh, experience versus just like click mint. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I think that's nothing wrong with that, but I think, I think there's room for, for experiences that really sort of like have more of a connection with people. Absolutely. And like bridging that URL and IRL. And, you know, one thing that I think is really cool about your everyday series is, is that it is very much a communal experience. Each, when you, when you post them, like people are awaiting them, especially like what's going on in the space. I know sure. when we chatted, I was like, when I, when I try to explain your work to, to people who don't necessarily understand or aren't in uh, web three and the like, I'm like, I'm like, Mike is like a political cartoonist for internet culture. He is capturing the zeitgeist each and every day. And that's what the everyday series comes 
comes from. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, how, how you see that series and how you approach it and how it's evolved. Yeah, it's very much evolved quite a lot over the last, you know, 16 plus years here because at the beginning it was much more, I would say the first five years probably was really just about learning these tools and the every day that I made was kind of almost just a byproduct of that process in terms of really trying to learn Cinema 4D and Illustrator and Photoshop and a bunch of other things. Um, and then it became very abstract for a long time, that it was very much about color and form and composition and, and creating works that were just utilizing these new tools to you know, say something that is more in the abstract expressionist sort of, uh, genre. And lately it's become over the past sort of like four years or so, it's become much more overtly political and commenting oftentimes on sort of what is going on. And uh, in the last year or so, it's become much more focused focused on commenting on what is specifically going on and trying to document what is in this Web3 um, community. And it's not an endorsement of the things that are going on in the community. It is merely trying to document those things so that we have some record of what I feel is a very crazy moment in art history that people will look back at as this just explosion of, of um, creativity and innovation that, you know, set the groundwork for digital art, which I believe will be a massive, massive, um, you know, sort of piece of the art world in the future. And so I'm really just trying to capture the overall mood and sentiment of what everybody is talking about. And so a lot of people are like, how come you don't talk about this? How come you blah, blah, blah. And it's like, guys, I'm just talking about what everybody's talking about. And it's like, how come you're not highlighting this little thing? And it's like, cause I'm not trying to promote that little thing. I'm not trying to promote this other thing either. I'm just trying to be like a mirror of what is going on in the world, you know, in our little space here. So I don't quite think some people have gotten that yet. They're still like, how come you're promoting Machi or fucking Ben or when you crypto bit boy? And it's like, okay, all these jackasses, like, I'm, yeah, I am not trying to promote them. It makes sense. No, it makes sense. And, you know, like my favorite everydays are the ones that like really recognize like landmark moments, you know, like I, me I remember when, uh, when we met up in Miami, uh, for gateway this past year, uh, Joe Lubin had, we had just finished our fireside chat with him. And I think he, we were all together when he saw the merge, the one you did on the day of the merge. Mm. Uh, that was the first time he had seen it. And it was like a really special moment oh, uh, to cool. see that. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I do think that, um, because of, because of your following, because of your influence, like I know that there are been people who are like, oh, like, you know, this shit coin or this guy, like, you know, and, and, and feel as though, you know, inadvertently you're, you're giving a platform to them. Yeah. I think to me that signals how young and sort of like immature the space is that this thing is like Voldemort where it's like, we can't even say it. And it's like, guys, this is what we need to admit that there are a lot of scammy shit 
in this fucking space before we can move past that. If we're just sort of like, la, 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 everything about NFTs is perfect. It's just kind of like, and I think that's a big turnoff to people too. Because when you're not honest about something and you're just like, guy, this is the best thing in the fucking world. There's nothing wrong with it. It's totally fucking safe. You're about to make a fucking billion dollars and this is like going to change your life. It's kind of like people see that and they're kind of like, okay, I don't, thank you. I don't really want that. Like that seems like a scam. It makes it seem more like a scam when you're not honest with people. But if you're honest with people and you're like, there are people doing very thoughtful, real things that I think are truly innovative and they're trying to use this, this new medium to say something um, different or in a different way. I really, truly believe that will have lasting value. And then there are also a lot of people trying to fucking scam a quick buck and you should be wary of those things. But both of those things exist. And until we can like admit that both of those things exist, I I really think it's going to be hard to sort of like move forward. Yeah, let's let's dig into that a little bit more because I know that you you really are you know uh, at the at the forefront um, you know and also interacting with those the the, the traditional art world uh, the digital art world and the like. Um, what are your thoughts on like where we are and how we move this forward? Like, is the term NFT become such a dirty term that we can't that that we need to divorce ourselves from that? Is it really just about uh, talking about digital art going forward? I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I think has the term NFT become a dirty term? A hundred percent. It's like. <laughs> it's very hard to, uh, in my opinion, overstate how much the general audience outside of this looks at NFT as like this fucking scam bullshit thing. Um, and so that's something we very much need to sort of like overcome in terms of the terminology. Um, I think, I think we will see more of a switch between people just blanketly calling everything NFTs, which to me is like, like I really look at that as the same as sort of like calling things web pages and, or calling individual sort of like sites that you like web pages, because it's really just a technology and it can be used for many different things. And some of it's digital collectibles, some of it's ENS names, and some of it's, you know, all different things So digital art. And so I think you will, will continue to see more sort of like delineation between these, you know, very different use cases. Um, and so I think it's just going to take time. I think we, we sort of like take for granted how, radical a concept this actually is to the average person. Do you want to pay money for this, you know, file? Cause you're not even getting the file anyway. It's do you want to pay money to have this, you know, line in this ledger change that proves that you have ownership over this thing. That is a very new concept to society. And we are only roughly two years in to that concept. And I really think it is something that is going to take time, but I'm so confident that future generations, this will be like nothing to them. Our kids, like they're growing up on, you know, Roblox crap and Fortnite skins. And oh my gosh, I got this sword in this game. That sword doesn't fucking exist. Like there's so many things in in video games and, and other things that people buy and you don't question for a second. And so 
I think it's going to take time, but I'm super, super confident that in the future, the idea of just virtual ownership um, will be very commonplace. And I think when that happens, uh, people will recognize that art is a piece of that and the artistic ideas behind an NFT are what you're actually buying. Just like the same way when you look at a baseball card, you don't think, wow, somebody would pay uh, you know, $2 million for a little piece of cardboard. Like what that doesn't have anything to do with LeBron, but people look at it and you're like, Oh, that cardboard piece of cardboard symbolizes everything that LeBron has accomplished, the amount of people he's inspired, how hard he works and blah, blah, blah. And they, they, nobody questions that. And so, but I'm guessing that took a while. Baseball cards have been around for a hundred years. I'm guessing when baseball cards first came out and they had to put gum with them, nobody was like, oh man, these things are going to be worth millions of dollars. They're just like, it's a fucking piece of card with the gum. Like, I don't, what the fuck are you like? So I really think we are very early in this and, and it just takes patience and it takes people trying to really think thoughtfully about building things that um, will truly add, you know, enjoyment or make people's lives better over the sort of like long term, those are going to have value. Absolutely agree. You know, the, the gateway itself was kind of born from this idea that like we're all part of the last generation to grow up without digital ownership from day one. You know, so everything you said about future generations not having the same hangups as we do, owning things digitally, owning things physically, appreciating them both, like that's very much in line with our thinking as well. Sure. But, but the learning curve is real, right? The learning yeah. curve is real, right? And we have to meet the market where it is as well. And so, um, you know, I, I first bought Bitcoin in 2013, had to go through that whole learning curve back when it was the wild, wild west. Right, and I still had to go through the NFT learning curve in 2020, and I know you went through the the learning curve in 2020 as well. And it, what's interesting is that you know you you kind of you know after the 69 million dollar sale became the face of of the movement, but also were kind of a relative newcomer to crypto and the like. And I'm I'm curious, like, what was that like, and what was that sort of journey of discovery like for you? Yeah, it was definitely interesting being sort of like painted as this like kind of crypto sort of crypto savior. Yeah, crypt, not crypto savior, but crypto like poster boy when it's like, guys, I know almost nothing about this. I only learned of like, like I'm not the like crypto savior you think I am because I just learned of this, you know, a few months before that sale. And so, you know, to me, I come from a digital art background. So it's sort of like that. That's kind of, you know, how I identify more than sort of the like crypto side. Um, and so it's, it's definitely been interesting there. And then obviously crypto has even outside of NFTs, it has its own many issues that, that sort of like need to be overcome there. And so it, it was definitely an interesting position to be in. And obviously, um, something where I think this is a technology that I, I strongly believe in and sort of have invested, you know, a, fairly significant portion of my money in because I do believe in it. Um, but I think it, it really has a long ways to go before it truly provides value to the average person. Like my, you know, mom or whatever, owning Ethereum, removing the speculative, this number might go up. Like, 
to be quite honest, there's no reason for her to do that. Like, what would she do? How is it going to make her life easier? And so I think building versus, I can tell you a lot of ways it could fucking fuck her life up. Like it's so, you know, very easy to lose and very easy to make a, you know, wrong click X, Y, Z. Um, and so I think it's going to take a second before we have those use cases that are truly, that truly add value to the average person's life. But I, I strongly believe those are coming. Um, and I think, again, you look at very early internet. Um, it was very hard to use. And, and many of the use cases that we take for granted, watching videos, listening to music, it was like streaming. I mean, again, the thing you could stream music in 1995 with real player and, you know, all kinds of other bullshit. And it was like ridiculous compared to just turning on the radio. But then over time, people built out the infrastructure and it took, you know, 15 more years, 12 more years or whatever. And then it became very useful. And then it became more useful than turning on the radio. And so it will just take time to actually build those things out. But I'm very confident they're coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what is inspiring you in the space right now? Like, what are you seeing? Obviously, we're in the depths of a bear market, but bear markets is where innovation thrives, right? And this is where uh, a lot of things that end up becoming quite important narratives and, and technologies in the next bull cycle are built. And so I'm curious, like, what are you seeing that, that is giving you hope or inspiration or, or, um, you're like, hmm, that, that's, that, that, that's doing something right and interesting? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> From a infrastructure standpoint, um, well, I just talked to this MetaMask guy about this cell thing. I mean, that seems like it could be something. I think it's, I, I don't know, it's tough because there's still a lot of infrastructure that is based around trying to maximize speculation. Um, and I think until that takes more of a backseat, um, it's going to be tough. I think there are artists who are doing things with this technology. I look at, you know, Sam's recent drop, which was amazing and such a huge success and something that I think really showed the power of this medium in terms of stare, st storytelling and, and sort of helping people truly connect emotionally with pieces. I think um, seeing more things like that, I think those are the things on the art side that are, are really going to show people the, the true power of this medium. Um, on the infrastructure side, I'm going to be honest, bro, I'm not coming up with anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's 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 dive into that a little bit because there there is obviously you know um, a lot has changed since you entered the entered the space in, in 2020 and the like um, you know the rise of marketplaces like Blur um, the erosion or complete <laughs> like trashing of, of creator royalties has been a real thing and especially when that was something that drove uh, like drew so many artists to the space right uh, an opportunity to continue to like like have that skin in the game be able to share in the value that you create uh, in perpetuity I'm curious. Like, what are your thoughts on the current state of creator royalties in the market and, um, you know, how that kind of impacts, you know, bringing more artists into the space and, and the value proposition? I mean, if I'm being totally honest, I think people were, they had not so realistic uh, expectations with creator royalties. I think 
people heard the term royalty and they thought music royalty and they thought I'm going to make a piece of art in 2021 and I'm just going to keep making money off that art for the rest of my life. And that was not ever a realistic expectation to be quite honest, because music royalties are from people playing it, not people just viewing it. And so these things transacting, you know, a bazillion times for 30 years that you're just going to keep making money off of. I honestly don't think that was ever a realistic expectation. So I think we need to like readjust our kind of expectations around the, the royalty um, sort of paradigm. Um, I think... And I think that more broadly um, goes for NFTs and this technology in general. Because this technology allows any artist to have a new way of selling their work. But it does not make it easier per se, to be a digital artist and make a living off of being a digital artist because everybody has access to this technology. And so now, yes, you have this new technology, to, but so does that dude in India. So does people in Korea. So does blah, blah, blah. And so now you are also competing with them. And so everybody got this new thing. And so it didn't just give an advantage to you. It gave an advantage to everybody. So everybody's sort of capability moved up, but it didn't make it easier because the competition got bigger too. And so I think it is going to be something where it is still going to be very hard to make a living as a just a digital artist who sells his work very similar to it is nearly impossible. It is very hard to be a painter who just makes paintings and then people buy those paintings and you make a living. The term starving artist exists because that is very hard. And I believe um, there was a lot of lofty promises being sort of thrown about in the last two years of NFTs that made it seem like that was not the case and that, oh my God, this is just this thing where everybody's going to be a fucking digital artist and make a shitload of money and be able to just do whatever the fuck they want. And that will not be the case. Um, it will still be very hard to make it as a digital artist. Not impossible, but very competitive because in my opinion, this is the best job in the world. You get to get up, make whatever the fuck you want, and then somebody pays you money for it. Who would not want that job? And so anytime you have a job like that, the competition is going to be ridiculous. And that goes for any job that's very cool, being a football player or being a rock star or whatever, the competition is ridiculously high because everybody in the fucking world wants that job. And so that is the case with NFTs. So the royalties thing, well, I would personally love to see royalties just showering down on everybody. I do think there needs to be some sort of um, adjustment of expectations there. I think there will be a core community of people who 
through a social contract, not through a smart contract, honor this. Um, and if that is something you would like to get, I think you need to really cultivate that in your community. Um, besides that, I do not believe there is a technological way that, I mean, people can get around this. If they don't want to pay it, they're not going to pay it. That's it. Absolutely. Well, look, as we move to a close, um, what do you want the legacy for your work to be? Like, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 100 years from now, 250 years from now, uh, you know, 1,000 years from now, and people are looking back and like studying this time and this art movement. Like, what do you, what do you want your work to represent? Um, that is a good question. Um, I think this time will be seen as sort of the start of digital art as a medium. I think digital art prior to this in the capital A art world was sort of mixed in with mixed media, which is like, okay, there's so many different types of digital art. And it, to me, it's very much its own sort of like medium. And I think, again, we're really right at the birth of that. And so to me, being any part of that conversation feels like a massive, massive honor. There it is. Mike, it is always a pleasure. We are out of time for now, but everybody give it up for people. If you enjoyed this episode and want to dig in a little deeper on what we're building at NFT Now, please check out the Now Pass and the Now Network. We're building the future of tokenized media. I would love for you to be a part of it. You can learn more at nowpass.xyz and you can hop in our Discord at discord.gg slash NFT Now uh, to connect with the community. Thank you again for listening to the NFT Now podcast and we'll see you again this time next week.